Gary Bay Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, aka WLTV, and this is BBQ Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. Welcome into the second hour, everybody. This is the Barbecue Central Show. And we talk about all things important in the world of barbecue right here each and every week for two hours, 9 to 11. We do it live. We'll do it live. That's right. You can also get it on podcasts. For instance, maybe you're tuning into the second hour right now through Facebook or a lot of the other live feed platforms, realizing that you missed the first hour. Well, no problem. All you have to do is subscribe to the show through the various podcast platforms. Holding iTunes right now, but we're trying to fix that tomorrow. And then you'll never miss a episode of the show again. A lot of people love to tune in live to hear the spontaneity that might happen. A lot of people can't do that on a Tuesday from 9 to 11 Eastern, so they sign up on the podcast and get it at their convenience, and I love that too. Still to come on this show, Scott Rodriguez from BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. Also the pitmaster of Toot and Stinky's Cali Q. I can't wait to ask him about that name. Toot and Stinkies. I got an idea, but I don't want to rush to my own opinion. So we'll talk to Scott Rodriguez in about 13 minutes from now. You know, I got a lot of feedback from Daniel Vaughn's visit last week. All positive, by the way. Everybody's saying that neighbor Desmond sitting in added a new fun and... uh a new vibe to the show or a, a fresh vibe to the show instead of just having me on a microphone and a guest somewhere else on a Skype connection or a phone connection, having somebody sitting across from me and being able to jump in was fun. I think Desmond kind of fell asleep a few times and dropped the ball in that regard, especially on the podcast question. If you go back and listen to that, it was funny. And then a lot of people emailing in going, Hey, is Daniel Vaughn on the Hall of Fame, uh, Barbecue Hall of Fame's committee? He did mention that he got a vote. And then he also mentioned how you were generally disqualified or something along these lines. And that's why you haven't been in yet. Now, a couple different things. I believe, and I didn't ask, but. He, I would imagine he is part of the Hall of Fame committee, and then he is also voting. So to me, it sounds like the committee gets a vote, and then also every existing Barbecue Hall of Fame member that is currently there also gets a vote. So however many Hall of Famers there are currently, plus 
the nine committee members, and there you have it. There's a list generated. It's pared down to nine. It's sent out. Everybody votes. That's how you come up. And then your top three vote-getters are your inductions for that year. Which, by the way, this year, Tootsie Tominance from Snow's Barbecue, Tuffy Stone, Cool Smoke, and Charlie Virgos from Rendezvous Barbecue, who passed away in 2010, so he's going in posthumously. Nevertheless, that's your three. So I wanted to point out that I did think that the Daniel Vaughn segment, and I'd listened back to it later in the week last week, and it was just absolutely great. A lot of good information. Daniel's a very thoughtful guy, very well-spoken, has a great voice, by the way. And it was funny. There was some banner back and forth between Desmond and I and Daniel and Desmond and then all three of us. It was very funny and very witty, very fun. But if you missed it, I highly recommend going back into the archives and getting it. And I can confirm, as I just mentioned, that he does have a vote for the Hall of Fame. And when I pressed him for how many times I was nominated, I don't want to say that he sidestepped the question, but he certainly did have a direct answer. And if you didn't get the answer or you missed the show, this is exactly what he said. Do you get a vote for Hall of Fame? Yeah, I do. Do you know how many times I was nominated? Oh, well, I mean, I think it was just like a technical disqualification just for uh, general attitude. (laughs) Desmond, you believe this son of a bitch? Not surprised. And he's from Ohio originally. Come on. Not surprised. God. Generally disqualified for attitude. Again, if you missed it, this is exactly what he said. But we'll play. Reload. Do you get a vote for Hall of Fame? Yeah, I do. Do you know how many times I was nominated? Oh, well, I mean, I think it was just like a technical disqualification just for uh, general attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Desmond, you believe this son of a bitch? Not surprised. And he's from Ohio originally. Come on. Not surprised. So classic lines being delivered all over the place. General disqualification for attitude. Wow. And then... I got my blast back as I dropped the SOB blast on him right away, kind of in front of him, but talking to Desmond. And then I can't determine. I thought originally that Desmond immediately jumped ship off of my team and was saying, not surprising that I was disqualified for my general attitude. Or if he was saying it, it's not surprising that they were being punks and that I was getting the short end of the stick. Let's go ahead and listen one more time. Do you get a vote for Hall of Fame? Yeah, I do. Do you know how many times I was nominated? Oh, well, I mean, I think it was just like a technical disqualification. Technical disqualification. That's that's prolific all on its own. Just for uh, general attitude. General attitude. Technical disqualification for general attitude. Uh, if you ever get an email from me going forward, and I'm using the terms technical disqualification for general attitude. I think it means that you're a dope and I don't like you. But I'm just trying to be nice and business oriented. In my day job for Peterbilt, I'm going to start telling my customers that don't want to pay my price. You're technically disqualified for general attitude. I'm not going to sell you my truck anymore. You're done. So technical disqualification for general attitude is great. Now here's Desmond weighing in. (laughs) 
Not Desmond, surprised. you believe this son of a bitch? Not surprised. And he's from Ohio originally. Come on. Not surprised. Not ah. surprised. I'm going to have to call up neighbor Desmond and see what side of the fence he was hedging on. I mean, most of me wants to believe that he's got my back here and that he's not surprised that the Barbecue Hall of Fame was discounting me for no good reason. But, geez, part of me thinks that he might have been signing with Daniel Vaughn because he hears me talking about it off air and, and probably has had enough. And now he's been given audience to let his true feelings out kind of in a low-key way. Not surprised that all you do is whine and complain. So they're not going to let you in. Technical disqualification for general attitude. Hmm. One never knows. You know, I missed this last week, and I am remiss, so I want to go ahead and circle back here. And by the way, I still think it's incredibly or an incredible achievement that Terry Rowan won three state cook-off events in a row, two in one day, and won the previous week. That's great. Mad props to Terry. Terry, I might have you on the show. If you win next week, if you're competing this coming weekend and you win, I will have you on the show. You can book it. So go ahead and do your thing. I will have you on the show next week. But I was a little laser focused on the Hall of Fame barbecue talk, as you can tell. And I missed mentioning that Dave Bosco won back-to-back grand championships. The second coming now, it'll be two weeks ago when we hit this weekend. And by the way, that second in a row got him booked auto qualifier into the Jack Daniels World Championship Barbecue Cook. Congratulations to Dave. He also placed reserve grand championship this past weekend, Father's Day weekend. So Dave is really killing it right now on the competition scene. By the way, if I may mention, a lot of people out there on the barbecue circuit maybe don't want to sit there and tell you exactly what they're using, but Dave is in a very unique position right now. He's a competitive barbecue cook. He cooks a lot of events during the course of the year. He's routinely been very consistent, top echelon cook for any number of years now. But he also is in the business of barbecue. You know him. I do the reads. He's a sponsor of the show, the injections, the rubs, the marinades, the sauces, blah, blah, blah. Grilling oils, the list goes on. New products coming out here over the last couple weeks, too. He's using all his own products. And, oh, by the way, if you follow him on Facebook as he's recounting his winning, he will tell you, for brisket, I used the new Longhorn rub and the new Grilling Addictions rub. For pork, I used a combination of this marinade and that marinade, or this booster and that booster. He's telling you exactly what he's using. He's not hiding it. Now, you'll sit there and tell me, oh, well, of course he stands to benefit. Okay, he's in business. But at least he's not making you pay for what he's using. I mean, he's making you pay for the product, but he's not paying you for the information to then have you pay for the product. See, he's a good guy. Killing it right now. Good job, Dave. I see you. Speaking of things that are killing it right now, Green Mountain Grills. That's right. Everybody wants to get their hands on a Green Mountain Grill, one of the top pellet manufacturers out there, uh, pellet pellet grill manufacturers out there right now. Three different sizes to choose from. The big boy is Jim Bowie. 
that also is complying with the pizza insert. Also, the Daniel Boone, it's a little smaller than a Jim Bowie. That is also complying with the pizza insert. I just use my Jim Bowie. No, I use my Daniel Boone and my pizza insert just a handful of hours ago. Here's what we did. We went to the uh, fresh market up the street. We got these really extra large pita shells because we didn't have time to do the whole pizza dough situation. Put the sauce on, put the toppings on, had the Daniel Boone rocking around 320 degrees at the cooker, so that was giving me about 640 degrees on the stone. Here's the magic with those pita things. Actually, they taste really good. Great substitute for pizza dough if you, A, don't want to make it from scratch or you don't have access to really good pre-made dough from an Italian grocer. You don't want to mess around with it. Always have the big extra large pita cells on tap because you can immediately turn those into some great high heat pizzas. So get the toppings on, then right into the pizza oven insert. Two minutes later, the pita's all crisp up. The toppings are nicely melted. A little bit of a uh, char going around the external edges. Everything that you want to see done in record time. I mean, you can really pump the pita pizzas out. One every two minutes. Have them ready to go. They don't stick to the pizza peel or anything that, you know, just a very little amount of cornmeal and you are off and running. It's great. Highly recommend. Now, if you want something a little bit more portable, you go with the Davy Crockett. That can go with you on camping trips, on tailgates. Maybe you just want to have a little extra baby standing by against some of the bigger arsenal machines that you got there in the back porch. If you don't have access to a plug, like if you're camping, or an inverter or something along these lines. You can hook it right up to your 12-volt in your truck or car or SUV, so it's ready to go wherever you are. And you're not sacrificing a huge amount of capacity. I mean, you can still get a couple butts in there, maybe even three if you TP. Also, they make their own pellets. They have their own sauces and rubs. Great stuff. Grills, get a, get a cover. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Scott and Rodriguez out of the break. Stick around. I'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, smoking with Smithfield committed cooks. Make sure you head to smokingwithsmithfield.com and report your first place wins to claim your prizes. Have you registered to compete in the American Royal Pork Loin Ancillary category? Have you? Smithfield just increased the prize purse to six grand, Polly. Make sure you sign up at the American Royal site today and don't forget to sign up for the Smithfield Classic in Richmond, Virginia. September 29th. To sign up, reach out to Jesse with Big Papa Smokers. That's Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E at BigPapaSmokers.com. Thanks to good folks out at Smithfield. All right, my first guest in the second hour is not just a competitive barbecue pit master. He's also the Senior Vice President of Culinary and Kitchen Innovation for BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse. Time to get a unique look at both a commercial kitchen experience as well as barbecue competition experience and how they meet, join, meld, and whatever descriptor you want to put in on it. Let's race to the Traeger Grills hotline 
And welcome first timer to the show, Scott Rodriguez. Scott, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you tonight? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Scott. Appreciate you asking. Let me go ahead and get you in here to the picture so we can see you. Uh, where are you located, Scott? Uh, I am in Huntington Beach, California. Oh, man. So, uh, board's probably out back on the woody. You're getting ready for quitting time, and you're going to catch some waves, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Or maybe some beers. Maybe some beer waves or beers. I mean, one might be considered the other, right? Yeah, usually when I come near the beach, they splash water on me to get me back in the... <laughs> I get it. I get it. So, uh, Huntington Beach, a great place, no doubt about it. So, I guess... I do find this uh, interview setting up to be kind of a unique one because of your professional experience, and then you're also on the competition side of things when it comes to barbecue and how they might meet up and stuff. But I guess before we get into that kind of a conversation, a uh, little bit about you, uh, you know, where you grew up and uh, how you found your way into professional cooking. Yeah, uh, I actually grew up in Southern California out of uh, Altaloma, Rancho Cucamonga area, and uh, you know, just loved cooking growing up and cooked a lot with my mom and, uh, you know, got into working for a couple of different restaurants, Cask and Cleaver and Knollwoods and those types of places. And then ended up uh, uh, getting a scholarship to go to Johnson & Wales University oh, in Providence. Wow. Uh, worked at the, you know, 96 Summer Olympics in Atlanta for Marriott and, uh, you know, just, just really fell in love with cooking and all things restaurants when I, uh, you know, moved back there. So I was living in Providence, Rhode Island uh, for four, four and a half years, and then also lived in Massachusetts. And uh, that's where I met my wife, who's also a chef. And, uh, you know, after about six or so years being back there, we, I convinced her to leave, uh, leave Boston, leave, leave Massachusetts and come back to California. Wow. So who's the better cook, you or your wife? Well, me. Yes. Great answer. Um, when you were in the East Coast, did you ever visit the East Coast Grill and hang with uh, Chris Slasinger? I did not. What? Well, nope. Oh, no. Bad news. Place, that place close, too. It was, like, legendary. Yeah, I think he was, like, one of the first guys. What was the book that he wrote? Thrill of the Grill or uh, I can't remember it right off the top of my head, but I had him on my show, like, a, a decade ago, and he was one of the first restaurants uh, privately owned, not a, a chain or anything like that, that was cooking on real wood. I think it's a little bit, well, I think it's a lot a bit more popular nowadays, um, whether it uh, is a, a national chain or just a, a mom and pop brick and mortar. But he was the first guy that I know that was cook- not charcoal, but really burning sticks, kind of like those, uh, the grillery setup that you see on uh, Instagram and all that stuff oh, now. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you a big fan of that? Like, if you had your druthers, would you like to have, like, wood-fired kitchens in all the BJ's restaurants or no way? Hell yeah, all day oh, long. Hell I mean, yeah. I think, it, uh, I think it really does add an extra depth and, and component to the food that you're not going to get from just a normal, everyday restaurant. Would you be trusting your, I don't know if you call them cooks or chefs or, or linesmen to be able to, I mean, that's a different beast, right? I mean, you're cooking on something that's gas easy to regulate, kind of monitor, but when you're cooking with live fire, a lot of things can go wrong if you're not keeping your eye on it. Oh, no, de- definitely. And, I mean, it's all part of the training, but, you know, it, it is, it's a different It's a different beast and it's a different animal. And, and that's where, you know, having right now for us, we have uh, coming up on 200 restaurants, you have to put trust into your operators out there. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Scott Rodriguez joining me here on the show. Scott, from, a, I guess, a, a corporate 
background. Actually, let me ask you one more question. You went to Johnson and Wales. I only knew one other person in my life that went to Johnson and Wales, and it was very prestigious, and it was a big deal when he got in. Uh, and he always told me, you you get there, and you it's like a certain amount of training for everybody, but then at some point in the education, you have to make the decision to go either business or cooking. Uh, a, is that true? And if it is, what did you just decide to focus on the cooking aspect? Well, you know, the thing about the university is, is that where it differs from CIA, in my, in my opinion, is CIA trains probably some of the best chefs in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas Johnson and Wales trains the best food service professionals. And in this day and age of management and having to wear multiple hats and, and jobs, not only can you be a chef, but you can also be a manager or you can move into a corporate role or sales or there's a million different things and you're not pigeonholed into just being a chef your whole life. Uh, so when I went there, I, I did two years uh, and got my associates in culinary and then I moved on into food service management uh, and, and got a bachelor's degree in that. So then that way I understand more of the business side, the accounting, hospitality, law, all of those different things that you need to be a more well-rounded professional uh, uh, employee. So when did competition barbecue unveil itself to you? Did you see some type of a promotion on a flagpole? Were you trolling on the internet and heard about it? Where do you get introduced? Uh, You know, honestly, it was probably back in the barbecue pitmaster early days. You know, you watch that on TV. And and, uh, my brother and I, who's my partner on my... uh, uh, barbecue team is, you know, we, we are UCLA season ticket holders and we tailgate massive tailgate every Saturday that we can, cause that's about all we have going for us out here. And, uh, you know, we always would do pork or whatever we wanted. And, and actually Sterling ball is the one who introduced us and basically pushed us into competitive barbecue after some things we had done with them here at DJ's and Jesse called me one day and said, Hey, you're signed up for the first Guinea pig. So I hope you guys are ready and uh, <laughs> you're coming on out to compete. And we did, and we finished middle of the pack and uh, you know, Sterling put us between Steph Franklin hmm. and Matt Dalton oh. was, on either, <laughs> was on either side of us. Wow. And you know, there might've been a little bit of hazing, but at the same time, <laughs> Talk about not two better guys to be between who two seriously, you know, became great friends with and and still to this day, you know, I talk to Steph all the time and and uh, he was next to us at Norco and, you know, the first one out there to congratulate and everything else. And, and it's just awesome. You know, I think uh, Matt had a great story. And, and for those that know, Matt had uh, passed away a couple of years ago uh, suddenly and he was a unique character. I had had him on my show, I think, three or four times. And the first time I had him on was the first time that he had won a grand championship, which I think was at the at the Wildemar uh, event. And then he he had some pretty decent success over a certain span of time. And then he trended down, way down, and kind of got into the cellar and then kind of righted the ship and got back to what he was doing to get him there in the first place. And evolved in the cooking style and then started to ride it back up and then I had him back on again after he had won back at Wildemar which was the first place that he had taken that grand championship he was a, a unique individual uh, very 
honest, uh, perhaps brash or in your face uh, to a certain degree, especially if he didn't like you. Uh, but from a, from a learning from a team, what did you pull from him that you kind of keep with you currently? Uh, you know, it's it's the and and you see him now. It's the it's the shut up and cook. You know, you know, get out there and do what you do and 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 have some fun. You know, don't be afraid to drink five too many beers and you know enjoy yourself and and you know just have fun with it and 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 be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your your fellow competitors. And it's going to be a lot more, you know, it take you a lot further. You always knew where you stood with Matt. <laughs> there, there was no secret about where you stood with him. And you know what? I, I think in this day and age, I appreciate the hell out of that. Scott Rodriguez joining me here on the show, Senior Vice President of Culinary and Kitchen Innovation, BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse, also the pitmaster of Toot and Stinky's Cali Cube, which begs the question, are you Toot or Stinky? And where do you come up with the name? It's actually, uh, it's my brother and I, uh, Matt is uh, Toot, and I am Stinky. Of course. Uh, it's childhood nicknames. Uh, I don't, I'm still not out of my childhood, so <laughs> they still call me Stinky. Uh, and uh, actually, my brother uh, did a great thing. He got us each personalized plates on our trucks, so then that way everybody knows who's Toot and who's Stinky. So uh, we have that now. When we pull in, everybody knows who's who. From a professional standpoint, when you join BJ's, uh, is that a the the vice president of culinary and, and kitchen innovation? Is that a position that you came into BJ's with, or did you start somewhere and kind of work up to this? No, actually, uh, I, I came over from another restaurant concept and came in uh, as a manager uh, type culinary manager position. Uh, BJ's at the time. Uh, was just breaking about a hundred restaurants, and uh, so I came in and, and was working. There was only two of us in the test kitchen at the time. We really had nothing to do with kitchen operations either. We strictly were all culinary development. And and as over the last you know coming up on nine years now uh, in September, the role, the job, the restaurant has evolved, and you know now I, I'm here. I I'm the top-level position in the culinary department. I run kitchen operations as well. I have four regional chefs. I have three chefs here at the, at the corporate office. Uh, so it's, it's, been a, it's been a great nine years. Can you give us a, a quick thumbnail sketch on BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse, how it started, and then where the growth model decided to take part? Yeah, it, it started actually, uh, it's about 40 years ago now. Uh, and uh, it started here in, in Orange County. And it was two guys that came in from Chicago and wanted the you know Chicago deep dish, and and opened a restaurant. And it was a it was a actually called R J Grunts uh, Pizza and Grill, and uh, they they actually just took the name flat off of a place in Chicago hmm. and just called it R J Grunts here. Within about a year, they had to drop the Grunts and ended up changing it to B J's. So actually, BJ's means nothing. Then they just changed it to BJ's to stay out of the, the law's way. And, uh, you know, over the years, um, uh, the the gentleman that did own it, uh, you know, took us public. And, and really from there, our former CEO, uh, you know, just exploded the growth. Uh, and then our current CEO, um, uh, who came over from Guitar Center, 
House of Blues uh, arena and really has we've taken off and you know we're still probably the biggest growth casual dining concept out there still opening restaurants we opened uh, you know 17 last year we're opening five to six this year wow. so that, that's that's huge in this day and age to keep opening restaurants yeah and I think it's important to point out too I think sometimes you can get lost in restaurants that are franchises and restaurants that are corporately owned stores the BJ's units are corporately owned stores Every single one is corporate owned. So what's the biggest advantage to a corporate store versus a franchise? Well, you know, in, in the corporate store uh, or corporate restaurant, you we basically will develop, uh, whether it be for marketing or ops or IT, it doesn't really matter. And then and then we'll push out whether it's a rollout or a change or whatever. And, and in the franchise world, you have your partners. So depending on how many franchisees you have, um, there'll be a franchise committee or board, for lack of a better term, and and you basically have to get buy-in from them in order to make a change or roll something out. And you know, there's certain limits to what they can and can't do as far as you know. Hey, we want to serve this rib from Smithfield. Well, hey, maybe they can get a better price for for from that rib from you know um, X company or you know somebody else, and they want to use them to save a little bit of money. So. You know that that's that's the biggest difference uh, between that and and corporate. You know you can also, you know it, it it is can be a little dictatorship sometimes. You do what you need to do and push it out and drive the business, as opposed to having to get buy-in maybe from a hundred different people. Barbecue and grilling is very popular. I mean it's always been popular, right? But I don't know if we have seen the level of popularity that we have seen from a backyard aspect that we have in the last three, four, maybe five years. Um, maybe it's tapered a bit as it relates to the competition barbecue side, but how do you see it from a restaurant perspective? Are there must-have items right now on a menu that whether you're a BJ's or, or somebody else that people are coming in looking for barbecue or good grilled stuff? I, I, absolutely. I mean, I think you look at, at uh, you know, what, what a fellow competitor of ours that introduced the wood-fired grills I'll leave them nameless. Um, you know that that's not by mistake that they went down the wood-fired grill route, and and one of our you know, our out of our top five menu items, two of them are steaks, and you know we were born on pizza, and two of our top five menu items are steaks. So that just goes to show you that I, and people love that type of cooking, and and I also think that. You know, some of us don't do it very well at home. So why am I going to go spend, you know, 30 bucks at Costco and buy prime steaks and screw them up? No, I'd rather go to the, go to a restaurant and get a really good, perfectly cooked steak and, and know that I'm not going to screw up and lose money. So I, I still think it's, it's a big thing. Uh, you look at the Costco's of the world, what they have sitting in their boxes and Sam's Club and all those guys, you know. How much barbecue stuff they have sitting out there? They they only put things in their cabinets that sell. So uh, I think that's always a good place to keep the pulse of, of what people are eating is look at places like that. Scott, let me ask you this follow-up question. You're the guy to answer this. Last week, I don't know if you listened to the show or not or if you've ever heard about the show before I asked you to come on the show this week. <laughs> but I talked about 
my experience at a uh, Jeff Ruby's, which is a, a really high-end kind of a regional uh, dry-aged steak house. Not all dry-aged, but they have a, a decent selection of dry-aged steak. And to every steak that we had, we have five people on the table. Every steak came out well undercooked. And I had kind of did a, uh, I kind of put out a diatribe about how restaurants are out there purposely undercooking steaks. By the way, I've done reporting on this as well, and I've read some other uh, articles on the show that have kind of corroborated my take, that they're purposely undercooking your steak because you can always bring it up, but once it shoots past over, the option is, you know, well, just eat it and suck it up, or the restaurant's going to be throwing it away, which means you're throwing cash away. Can you put any validity to that? And the better question is this, or the more important question. If you go into BJ's, is the guy cooking my steak using a thermometer to test doneness, or is he using the squeeze test or the poke test? We we actually use thermometers on everything. Oh right! Um, now we're talking. The, now we are talking. <laughs> and the reason we do that is so we avoid throwing steaks in the trash. And <laughs> and it's one of those things. It's the simplest thing in the world. Is use the use tools that can help you cook better. Um, and and that is one thing that we introduced. We rolled out a brand new steak program probably about five or six years ago. And the two things that we did were there is a calibration that happens on your on your grill or charbroiler that happens once a week uh, that you come in and check it and that there are thermometers that are placed at every single station that have to be working at all times. Mm. And it's a requirement to, to stick, you know, stick the probe in there and and take a temperature every single time. So if I go to a BJ's, could I tell the server I would like my steak at 135 degrees versus uh, picking the standard temperature of you know medium rare or medium or anything like that? Uh, you could. You know how servers are sometimes. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know you could say, hey, I would like it. You know, medium rare, rare to medium rare, and I want it at 135 degrees. That's going to be a hell of a lot easier for that that cook to nail. Got it. So. Well, I mean, what's your take? Like, why would some of the most prolific steakhouses, I guess by reputation and certainly quality, go out of their way if I'm ordering a, a medium steak or, or a medium rare steak? And then, look, I get uh, Daniel Vaughn busted my balls last week to no end saying, oh, why would you order a 55-day dry-aged uh, New York strip bone-in at 140 degrees? Why wouldn't you have it medium rare or rare plus or something? That's the way you should get it. And, of course, I maintain if I'm buying the fucking piece of meat, I want it cooked how I want it cooked. By the way, 140 degrees isn't that terrible. But nevertheless, right. do you have a thought on on the undercooking of steak intentionally? With, and well, and yeah, not using I, I, thermometers. You know, and, not and using thermometers. I'm not saying it doesn't happen at certain places because, you know, look, I've heard it and seen it myself. Um, you know, but I think that there's a, a big difference between the land of casual dining, we'll call it, and the higher end steakhouses in the fact that, you know, that piece of meat that say, you know, a Fleming's or a Morton's or whoever is putting out mm-hmm. cost them a hell of a lot more than it, than it would cost a normal run of the mill casual dining. And, and so if it's an inch, two inch steak and I miss it by a little bit, you're damn right I'm going to send it back if I'm paying 65 or $75 for it. Um, you know, if you're paying 
twelve ninety five at at and getting a the sirloin special, you're yeah. probably going to go, eh, yeah, I'm just going to eat it and move on because I don't want to sit here anymore with peanuts on the floor and 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 keep going. So, you, you know, I, I think it's I, I think it's where you're at and who it is. The other issue, quite honestly, is is that. There's a there's a shortage of cooks in this country. Mm. There's a shortage shortage of really good cooks, mm. and and to get someone that's skilled enough to work that broiler or work that grill on a nightly basis and nail those cooks is hard to find nowadays. So you know when you do get somebody in, it's easier to say, hey, cook it a little bit under, uh, and 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 then that way. We're covered if it comes back to the kitchen and we do a refire than having to start all over, start the process again. Scott Rodriguez joining me here on the show. Scott, can I hold you over for uh, one more segment and we can talk a little bit more barbecue? No problem. All right, stand by. We're talking with Scott Rodriguez from BJ's Restaurant and Brew House, the Vice President of Culinary and Kitchen Innovation. I want that title. I will talk to you quickly about Cook Shack manufacturers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard, on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has a unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. They still have one of them. Cook Shack Pellet Fire Smokers, the choice of champions because they were indeed designed by a champion, Ed Fast, Eddie Morin. The FEC 100, a PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 doubles as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. So, if you don't like the pellet cookers or whatever else Cook Shack has, you can get the residential electric cooker, and you know you're getting the best of the bunch. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing, with quality always being the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or... Visit the website, cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. More with Scott Rodriguez right after this. Stick around. I'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. The National Barbecue News dedicated to all things barbecue. Their goal to introduce new people to barbecue while keeping the barbecue enthusiast and professional informed on all current happenings in and around the barbecue nation. They obtain this goal by offering timely news stories, new product reviews, barbecue event calendars, and unique recipes inside their printed products, websites, social media pages, and email newsletters. Subscribe now by visiting barbecuenews.com that's b-a-r-b-e-c-u-e barbecuenews.com alright thanks for hanging with me through the break there Scott no problem uh, let's talk a little bit about how you and Sterling Ball come to meet and uh, I guess how that somehow emerges him into chief instigator at the BJ's <laughs> test kitchen such a fitting title, isn't it? Yeah, right. 
Yeah. Well, his new instigation tactic is every time he sees me, he says, hey, boss, hey, boss. <laughs> and everyone that knows me knows I hate when people call me the boss. Yeah. So shocker that he's instigating that. But uh, actually, it's 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 a it's a pretty funny story in the fact that uh, our our current CEO was the CEO of Guitar Center. So you're already starting to see a parallel yep. of yep. he knew uh, Sterling from from that side of the business, and we were working on a barbecue promotion for the summertime, blue ribbon barbecue promotion, and we were we had reformulated our ribs and and all different kinds of things. And we're down to the wire, and uh, our CEO comes down and says, "Hey, before we do anything or or train anything, I got this guy. I want to come in and just give a once over on this stuff. So if you can imagine a bunch of white coat, stuffy white coats, standing around in the kitchen, and here comes Sterling, and you know shorts and dirty barbecue T-shirt and." Uh, and, you know, shoes with no socks and jumps in and starts, uh, you know, messing around with us. But within probably about 10 minutes, you knew this guy could cook. And immediately started messing around with some rubs and, and brought in sweet money to us at the time. My favorite. And the first thing he did was when our ribs came out from being cooking, he hit them with apple juice and then a little bit of glaze of barbecue and finished them off. And I'll tell you, the difference that happened in that rib, hmm. just by that little tweak, we still do today. Really? Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it was an amazing taking from, as Sterling and I call it, and a lot of it do around here, it takes something from good to great. And, and Sterling has such a knack for coming in as we're playing with items or working through some development items and taking a little tweak and making something great. Uh, as opposed to, yeah, it's just good enough. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. So I assume now everything's cool. Sterling comes in. I mean, you know, you get to know him. You get through that uh, the personality that he has. And I mean, he's he's a hate or love guy. I mean, I, I kind of love him myself, but uh, but but I get him and I get the the, the sarcasticness. Uh, that's not a word. The sarcasm and uh, and his his over his I think his overriding. Uh, element to his whole being is just wanting to help, whether it's through philanthropy, whether it's helping you take good to great, you know, food, uh, whether it's me on, uh, you know, try this on your show or, you know, let's uh, game plan this or, or whatever the case may be. He's, he's trying to help forward the agenda of, of whatever he is into. So probably everybody digs him now, but when he first walked in, as you said, kind of looking he, like he might've just come off of a beach and he's got a t-shirt and then you got a bunch of white coats on the other side. Was there at all any apprehension on their side uh, oh, there, for, for time? There or, or was ma massive apprehension. Massive. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, look, uh, I mean, those that have embraced him and and have partnered with him, and now I have become great friends with him, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's taken me to new levels. Mm -hmm. um, I consider him a mentor uh, and, and a great friend, and he's a damn good cook. Uh, you know, but he, you know, look, as with anything and, and knowing Sterling, how he is, he's also a straight shooter and is going to tell you how it is. And, you know, I, I can remember one tasting where we got through a tasting and all of the, you know, execs are sitting around the table and 
they said, oh, you know, this is really good. And Sterling looked at everyone and goes, you guys are all out of your damn mind. <laughs> you know, he goes, you, you have to challenge us to be better cooks. You have to challenge us to give you better flavors. He said, you should have pushed every single one of those dishes back at us and said, you need to fix it and you need to do better, which they ended up doing. And, and you know, it really has, has launched uh, some of our new menu items and, and the menu items we've had over the last three or four years is, is having that mentality that it's okay to push food back on us and say, we've got to do better. And, you know, it's those types of things. So, yeah, he might ruffle some feathers sometimes, but you know what, in the long run, he's doing it out of, out of the best intention of trying to make you or us or Big Papa Smokers or whatever else it is the best. So how do you see him visibly if you're somebody coming into a BJ's location? Where do you see his footprint or handprint on menu items? Is it solely from a seasoning aspect or is he going outside of the normal grilled and barbecued stuff and, and taking part in the entrees or appetizers or some of the things uh, along those lines? Yeah, I, he's, you know, he's he's sprinkled throughout. I mean, uh, you know, there's a little bit of sterling everywhere and you see it in in our apps, one of our, our best-selling appetizers is a Brussels sprout appetizer uh, that you know he was uh, that he he basically did, and and we partnered with and Mediterranean chicken pita tacos. I mean that's not barbecue. Uh, S'mores pizuki, monkey bread pizuki. You know we could sit here go on and on and on and on, and you know then you look at our prime rib has double secret, our pork chops, sweet money. Uh, you know, Desert Gold is is one of our uh, secret weapons when it comes to chicken and, and a lot of things that we do there. So, you know, there's just little things that we've done and and it's finding the right flavors, but as but it's also not being afraid to push the envelope. And and a lot of times in restaurants, you're afraid to take that step. And what's the worst that's gonna happen? It's just not gonna sell, right? So you take it off the menu later on and and, you know, you, you can put plug something in its place. And, and, you know, that's always been the philosophy is that you're going to fall down and skin your knees sometimes, but that's okay. If we, if we don't know, if we don't try it, right? Let's quickly talk about where the line of divergence happens between competition barbecue and barbecue that you're going to put on the menu at BJ's. You have to be cooking for the masses for competition barbecue. You're cooking for the judges. You know, maybe 25 or 40 or 50, depending on how big the competition you're at. But it's kind of a different profile and texture and tenderness deal. How different or how similar is what you're doing on the competition scene finding its way into the BJ's test kitchen? Well, I, I, I think from from a difference and where you have where it, it splits is in, in competition barbecue, it's really about one bite maybe two at the most, right? And you're packing as much flavor and as much punch into one bite and you're manipulating the food. And, and I mean that in a good way yeah. of the presentation and how it looks in the box and, and the best six slices or eight slices that I can get. Whereas in a restaurant setting and, and even with, with barbecue and, and that is you want to be able to enjoy 10, 8, 10, 12 ounces of meat. So, you know, I think any of us as barbecue cooks know I don't want to eat a rib anymore to save my life. I just couldn't do it. But I would eat a rack of ribs at a restaurant because 
it's not that intense flavor in every single bite. It's a gradual, you know, increase in flavor and then the depth of flavor there that increases over the entire dish, not just in one or two bites. And, and that's really the biggest difference is trying to create something enjoyable on the restaurant side that you want to finish and that you crave as opposed to how much flavor can I pack in one little one little bite or, or two bites and, and showcase my best foot forward with one piece of, uh, of meat or one slice of steak or something. Scott, let's talk a little bit about a competition barbecue here. You won the Norco California event a couple weeks ago. 57 teams taking part in that one. And you finally kicked through the glass ceiling there and notched your first uh, grand championship. Uh, what's it like to get into that club? You know, it, it's almost like, what do I do now? And, and, you know, getting that monkey off your back is has been incredible. And, and we were, my brother and I, we were in a, a wicked slump the beginning of this year. You know, just couldn't, just couldn't seem to cook our way out of it. Didn't, we were scratching our heads at the judges' scores and, you know, and, and we generally get one, maybe two calls a, a contest and usually finish top 15, top 10 and just never seemed like we could catch a break. And, you know, at, at this one, it was get back to the details, reset your timelines, you know, don't stray from anything. If it's 204, then pull it at 204 or whatever the hell you want to do. And, and, and we felt really good. I don't think we had any expectation moving in. And then, you know, they start calling names and you're like, holy crap, all of a sudden we got three calls and, you know, we're in this thing, you know, and then the nervousness starts. It always seems that the pitmasters doubt themselves, especially after reserve has been called. You figure, oh, we, we tanked somewhere so bad, it's really knocked us even out of the top 10. Were you of a similar mindset or did you feel pretty good? Well, no, I, I mean, uh, it's funny. Uh, Ed Williams uh, is texting me during the thing. So uh, Zizig's Barbecue had two first place calls. We had one first place call, yeah. a second place, and a sixth place. Both of us didn't get a call in brisket. And I'm thinking, and he's texting me, you or Jason are going to be really pissed off after this <laughs> when they called RGC. And, and it wasn't him or it wasn't me and, 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 and my brother. And it was like, one of you guys is going to be really pissed off because he had two first place. We had three calls. Thank God it was us. And, and you know, the, the rest is history, right? Do you have a fairly extensive competition agenda for the rest of the summer or the year or not so much? No, we, you know, we average about one a month is, is where we're at, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, six, seven, I think the most we've ever done is eight comps in a year. Uh, and, and so we've got, uh, Vista coming up here in July. We have Del Mar, mm. uh, already on the books. And then, you know, I, I think we're looking at possibly the San Diego contest in September and, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed. We get our bung pulled for Jack, which, you know, Hey, uh, and then we'll see about uh, there. There is a contest out here in in October, Temecula. So we're, we'll hope to to be there if we're not on the road to Tennessee. All right. Well, I am going to have kind of a semi embedded correspondent covering that uh, Del Mar event. His name's uh, Stover from uh, formerly of the Best Barbecue Show, but uh, unofficially kind of you know working for me a little bit. So I'll make sure we send him your way to get some 
live uh, feedback for the event and how your cook's going, if that's all right. That's absolutely good. All right. Um, in any event, uh, we're talking with Scott Rodriguez. You know him as the uh, one of the pitmasters of Toot and Stinky's Cali Q and the Senior Vice President of Culinary and Kitchen Innovation at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. Uh, Scott, we uh, ran way long. I apologize for uh, carrying you over into a second segment that you probably didn't know about, but uh, a lot of great information there and great conversation. So uh, I'll figure out what to do with that uh, gift card. Uh, we'll do something pretty cool with it, and then I'll let you know the winner, and we'll go from there. All right. Thanks. Have a great night. Yeah, appreciate you coming on the show. There he is, Scott Rodriguez, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, from BJ's All guests Restaurant appear Brew via the Traeger Grills Hotline. Mm-mm-mm. Yummy. So, if you're interested, maybe we can sneak in a phone call or two, and I'll just ask you like a straight-up trivia question or something along those lines. 216-220-0966, because we won't have time to do the normal uh, game, like a porn star or athlete, cheese font, winery or rehab. So call in if you want to win a $50 gift certificate to a local BJ's restaurant brew house around you. I will, in the meantime, talk to you about Traeger Grills. You know, behind every great meal is a great grill, but not just any grill, a Traeger Grill. And the Timberline is Traeger's most advanced grill yet. It allows you to grill, smoke, bake, roast, braise, and barbecue like a pro, no matter what your level. Thanks to the incredible wood-fired taste, seriously, you don't know flavor till you're cooking with it. Traeger Grills use all-natural hardwood pellets as fuel, so you're literally cooking with flavor. From low and slow smoked ribs to a seared steak and even a baked apple pie, Traegers can handle it all. And the Traeger Timberline makes it even easier thanks to the Wi-Fi capability. You can check on your cooks, kick up the temperatures, and set custom cook cycles anytime, anywhere, all right on your phone through the Traeger app. In fact, I gotta go check on my pork butts right now. Well, I'll do that in a minute. Find one at your local Traeger dealer or check them out online at TraegerGrills.com. If you want to beep up your barbecue game, you should look into taking a Traeger shop class. They're going coast to coast, bringing barbecue knowledge and amazing wood-fired food everywhere they go. Taught by professional pitmasters, you'll take home all the skills you need to reach barbecue glory right in your own development. Find a shop class near you or sign up today at TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. That's TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. Thanks to the folks over at Traeger Grills. Uh, your chance to win as we are on our way out. Otherwise, I'll think of some other contest. 216-220-0966. That's 216-220-0966. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966, your number to win. Nothing but a free $50 gift certificate from BJ's Restaurant and Blue House, courtesy of Scott Rodriguez, their Senior Vice President of Culinary and Kitchen Innovation. That was a lot of great talk there about how a big corporate 
casual dining restaurant is operating these days, uh, their growth over the past handful of years. And then, of course, most importantly, I'm always wondering, you know, what's the business like? How do you press out recipes? How are you coming up with recipes? I was uh, surprised to find out what a large hand Sterling Ball has had in as far as their recipe development. And then items that I guess you wouldn't normally associate with a Sterling Ball, like a some type of a Thai dish or noodle dish uh, versus just something that you would normally associate with him, that being a barbecued or a grilled product. So, as Scott said, very talented cook and uh, doing a lot of simple things to help elevate good to great. That's kind of a great saying that I might start using all for my very own if I want to. The other thing that I thought was interesting was the talk on where the barbecue for competition versus barbecue that you get in a restaurant lie. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say they're opening up a barbecue restaurant and they're doing it competition style? And I guess how how does that translate to the end barbecue user, which would be an eater or a customer? There's been many a pitmaster on this show that says, what I'm doing in the competition circuit, kind of like Scott was echoing, it's way over the top. It's one bite. It's two bites at the most. And if you served me a plate of competition barbecue, six, seven, eight ribs, there's just no way in hell I would be able to polish that off. I would get palate fatigue. It would be too rich. It would be too overwhelming. And I just couldn't do it. But when you get into a restaurant scenario and you're ordering or you're able to order a half rack or a full rack of ribs off of that menu, it can't be as flavorfully intimidating, I think I just coined a phrase, as it would be in a competition barbecue sense. I mean, you think in your mind that's what you want, but in reality, you're probably not going to be able to consume all of that. Now, of course, you can always take it home and do all this other stuff if you want, but whatever. All right, let's go ahead and make tracks out. We'll do something social media for the $50 gift certificate. So if you don't follow me on social media, do that now. Friend me on the Facebooks at BBQ Central Show. Also on the Twitter and Instagram at BBQ Central Show. Really easy. All the way back in the first hour, Stephen Reichlin was in. Had a lot of great conversation. We talked about him on the road. He'll be in Kansas City tomorrow night doing a barbecue signing and uh, barbecue demonstration and book signing. He might be at Anton's and Slaps. Joe Pierce, I might be shipping Stephen Reichlin your way if you're interested. I'll get at you. He's a big listener of the show, both Stephen and Joe. Then we caught up with Brett Galloway at the State Cook-Off Association. A lot of big events going on over the next couple of weeks. Big events transpired over the last handful of weeks. StayCookoffs.com is website if you want to keep up with all the fun. And then in the second hour, Scott Rodriguez, the co-pitmaster of Toot and Stinky's Cali Q, Senior Vice President of Culinary and Kitchen Informa- uh, Innovation for BJ's Restaurant Brewhouse. Great two segments with Scott. Big show planned for you next week, as always. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host, Greg Rempe, saying... Start the game! Let's go! And... Good night now.